Excellent. So, so thank you for bringing us the word this morning. And um, awesome. I'll turn it over to you. Well, it helps center me if if I get to pray once I get up here. So we'll we'll just all pray again and uh, just ask God to really speak to us through His Word and and through His characters in in the Scripture. So we're gonna pray first. Bye. Dear Jesus, we thank you so much for for loving us and being a God that has given us um, uh, a name in your heart and giving us a purpose uh, for your glory. And I just pray that you show us um, who you are in our lives and um, what your purpose is for us through this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, So, I will probably be improv parenting as well, um, (laughs) since my wife is, is still at home. But, um, yeah, I appreciate all the prayers that you guys offered my family this last week. It was kind of a, a shocking event, um, and, uh, but we're glad that everyone's doing as good as they can. So, okay. Welcome. So, let's read the passage and get started there, and that'll help kind of focus our discussion. So, it's Luke 1, verse 57 through 67. So, it's getting close to the end of the first chapter. We're going at a lightning pace. <laughs> but uh, this is about the birth of John the Baptist. So now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, that, and they would uh, have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard uh, them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And then the last, this just kind of ties in some of the other parts we're going to talk about in the next section is, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying. So then he goes on to prophesy. And that's going to be next week, since that's the teaser. Um, But um, I want to start by having my kids come up, because they really want to be a part. So come on up here, stand up here. So, my kids' names, I'm going to tell you what they are, and their meaning. So, this is Gideon. Gideon, and how old are you? Three. That's right. You're three. And what does your name mean? Yeah, you can go. Warrior. You're a warrior. A valiant warrior, Gideon means. And uh, are you a warrior, Gideon? Yes, you are a warrior. Okay. What's your full name? Katarina. Yeah, Katarina. Take your fingers on your mouth, please, when you're talking. Say Katarina. Katarina. Yeah, Katarina. What does Katarina mean? Beautiful. No, pure. It's pure. And who are you named after? My mom. Grandma Tina. Yeah, my mom. And and then name. What's your name? What's your full name? Nathan John Newfelt, that's right. And are you a third or a second? Or the first one? He's the first. You're the first. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> I'm assuming this is some stage fright. Uh, you mean when he's the baby? You're the second, that's right. Who's the first one? <laughs> Me, that's right. Um, so, what is your name? Prophet. You're a prophet in the Bible, that's true. Yeah. But what does it mean, do you remember? It means you're a gift from God. Right? So Nathan means a gift from God. Have a seat. You guys go sit. Good job. That wasn't rehearsed, but that was what it was. Um, and and our newest baby we named Blaze, uh, Blaze Isaac Newfeld. Yeah, we we, got, we we stuck the eyes together. Um, and uh, you know, I think that the the big thing about all this that's been going on is that it's interesting. The passage is talking about naming of the child. And so I want, to, I want to talk about that in the sense that you all have names, and what do your main names mean? Do they really mean anything? What are some thoughts? Do you guys think names actually mean something? Do you think your name means what it is meant to mean? Like, is Gideon really a warrior because his name is? Does that impact him? What do you think? What are some other names? What are some of your meanings of your names? Does anybody know the meaning of your names? Uh, my name is, is Trip. And well, this would be interesting. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah, I tell, well, I tell kids that the reason my name is Trip because my mom was pregnant with me. She tripped, fell on her belly, and I popped out. Awesome. And, uh, that could have been a blaze. That and so, so, so kids just look at me and say, oh, okay, uh, I'm, I'm Trip. That means that uh, three. I'm like, my real name is Joseph Th- Joe Wilburn Almond the third, and so I'm called Trip because I'm the third. That's cool. How about anybody else? Any meanings? Anyone that you're named after? Well, Megan means brave. Brave. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I read once that Donald means world ruler, so I thought that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I never named anybody, but Donald. Yeah. That's cool. That's what Donald Trump thinks. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. We won't, we won't go into politics today. Uh, I'll tell you who's named after uh, Bradbury's after Ray Bradbury, the author. Um, anyone else? I saw another hand up here. So I, the, the big thing is that is there really a connection? Does it really matter what your name is? Um, I think it's something that you know we've obviously been chewing on a lot of this over the last couple months. And whenever you have a baby, you chew on it again, and you're like, oh, what, what name should this child have? Um, does it really matter? And we kind of wash it up. No, it doesn't. But there's all this superstition out there, like you can't do this or you can do that. Oh, you can name them after that person. And my wife, for the longest time, um, there was a name that we were considering that we washed out of our list of possibilities because... She had an old boyfriend that name that she didn't want to name him that. So, no, but it's just real. Like, doom doesn't really matter. Um, and so, in looking at this, I figured, well, let's look back at actually what contextually for these folks in this in the passage, what were they dealing with? What was their culture around naming? You know, because I think for us, there's a lot of culture involved in it. It's you know, some families it's okay to name after another person in the family, but, and, and like we're a second, but my wife didn't want a junior. So, and then Blaise, Blaise is actually named after Blaise Pascal, who was a child prodigy and a French philosopher who became a uh, Christian later in life and ended up writing a lot about Christian culture. Um, and it was very influential, but also Pascal logic is his. 
And so a lot of he was a mathematician. So he's an extremely bright fella. And Isaac is my grandfather's name, who was kind of one of the first Christian forefathers of my maternal legacy. And a phenomenal guy. He had 11 children. And uh, also Isaac Newton is another child prodigy that was a scientist. And so it uh, doesn't really matter. But hey, I'll give it a Blaze is a prodigy. Yes. Then he goes to math. That is me. You are so smart. You guys are mathematicians. <laughs> All right, we're going to listen now a little bit, okay? Um, so I read, I read a lot about Jewish tradition around naming. And most of it was contemporary because there's a lot of questions. Like Jewish culture currently is kind of something that's a fascination to my wife and I. My wife is reading like a lot of books by different rabbis. And so there's – it's interesting how Jews in general – and the religious of Judaism is very interwoven. Like, stuff has so much more meaning than what initially meets the eye. And I think that when you think about this passage, it opened up so much of the, the box of inquiry into, like, why were they struggling with this? And why were the people so strongly opinionated? And, you know, we kind of have that a little bit. But this was, it seems a little more intense than what we'd expect someone to feel culturally towards a name. Uh, in our own culture. Although my in-laws are always very opinionated about it. <laughs> I don't know if we've had gotten any of them that they really necessarily love right off. Our cousins. Our cousins, yes. <laughs> 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 I love the cousins as well. So there's a rabbi I read a lot from, was Rabbi Moshe uh, Feinstein, and uh, he wrote basically books on naming your baby in the Jewish culture. So there's a couple of things. There's the, the spiritual connection, and then there's inner meaning, and then there's some other kind of points that we'll go through. Just I think, I think it's kind of fascinating. Um, so the big thing is that a lot of this is referenced from extra-biblical writings. So the Talmud specifically has a lot about naming in it. So that's where a lot of culture... And Jewish culture has kind of derived its naming from. So one of the big things is that for the beginning of life, we give a name, and at the end of life, a good name is all we take with us, is something that the Talmud says. So it, it's just kind of an interesting, you know, there's, there's some sort of spiritual connection to the afterlife from your current stature or your current situation, uh, and your name is almost like your flag to that. Um, and then... The Talmud also talks about that a name is actually 160th prophecy. Not 170th, <laughs> 160th prophecy. And what they say the prophecy is is that angels actually come to parents that are about to deliver and whisper recommendations in their ear, basically. And that's the prophetic part, is that you know that's the outside of your material being, that there's there's someone influencing your naming of your child. Which, I, I don't know if that's true or not. Like, that's a little interesting. I don't find it in any biblical reference, but in the Talmud, which is a, a Jewish writing, that this is, a, this is something they believe. Um, and then there's an inner meaning. So the actual, like, kind of essence of it. And we had a fascinating situation, uh, time flies, but I think it was a summer ago. And uh, her name was Pinyin. She was a nurse from China. Yes, we all know that you know the story, but I'm going to tell you this. Okay? Yeah. 
And so Pinyan, Pinyan was a nurse at an orphanage in, in China. And the, yes, and the, and the children from that orphanage were here in the States on kind of a, an, a cultural experience trip. Like it was a, not an exchange, it was truly just them coming here, but then they get deposited into families. And she was here, because they were all special needs, so she was the medical liaison for them, and she was staying with us. So this is a non-Christian organization. This is like completely of the state of China. And she couldn't speak a lick of English. Like, we Google translated, like, potty. Like, everything was Google translated. Because we don't speak any Chinese either. Um, I know my wife is very smart, but she does not speak any Chinese. So, um, so the reality was that, ni hao, that's right, she taught us something. But it was a phenomenal experience in general, very stretching for us culturally. Um, but we had just had Abner. Uh, not so long ago. That's the crying one for those of you that didn't know. And his name means my father is the light, um, which is, is is a family name for my wife's family for her grandfather. Uh, but anyway, we won't go back to all that. But um, the the Chinese have no bearing on the meaning of their name. None. It has no meaning at all. It's completely sounds. And so they want you to have a sound that sounds pretty. And so the idea is that, you know, this fact that we had named Gideon a warrior, she's like, why would you do that? Like, why? That would be bad. Like, he is going to be a warrior now. And yes, I hope he is a warrior for God. You know, that's, that's the whole point. That's why Gideon was given that name. And so Abner, too, she's like, well, he, in the Bible, is actually a warrior also. And so she's like, why would you do it a second time? Like, she did not understand. Like, she's like, you are fools. Like, why would you do this? So she maybe influenced us naming the other one Blaze, but <laughs> but uh, the reality is that you know we believe there's some meaning, there's some purpose. But for her, the fact that there was any meaning or any thought to the meaning, or even a family tie, didn't make any sense at all. And I think that just is kind of interesting that culturally there's huge differences. But even Adam named the animals for inner meaning. You know, there was there was a sense of meaning, um, a purpose, and. We always think of meaning in a sense of good names, like legacy. So, you know, in the Jewish culture, Esther is a very uh, praised character, you know, and that's a, a, a great name that's used a lot in the Jewish culture. Ari, which is A-R-I, is lion. Um, so this is a common uh, Jewish name as well. Um, Gideon actually was listed. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna bring you up again. You're gonna love it. And, uh, and it means a valiant warrior. But then you don't hear people naming after bad names. Were any of you guys named after a villain or someone who did an atrocious act in the scriptures? Or a loved one who maybe violated family trust? No, you don't, you don't get that. And so, you know, one of the names that they mentioned was Nimrod, which now has become a colloquialism for someone who's a Nimrod. But it really means rebellion. You would never name your child Nimrod. But the reason it means that is because Nimrod rebelled against God's call in his life. And, you know, no one would wish that. Even if you're an atheist, you wouldn't name your kid that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just something you wouldn't do. And it, I think it's funny how there's almost like a magnetic draw to good names, strong names. Um, there's a sense of almost eternity in that. Um, so other things that we talked about that I think were relevant is that and in the passage you see this, but in the Jewish culture they don't name until circumcision. 
So the, the main thing is that it's because Abraham's name changed at circumcision. And so they feel that God is going to name the child because of this probably that prophetic piece. And so they wait until circumcision to actually name the child, which is the eighth day. Um, and so that's kind of an interesting thing. And uh, the other thing is that there's certain little subsets of how Jewish culture, so there's the Akhenasi uh, Jews and then there's the Shepardi Jews. There's different like kind of sects, if you will, kind of like Baptist and Presbyterian a little bit. Um, and in the uh, Akhenasi Jews, they, the relatives, they name them after relatives pass away. So you can't name a child for um, someone who's alive. Um, and they say that it's, it, it keeps the memory alive and it's really intentional to, to kind of bring the good of that person back um, from the dead. Uh, so it's, it's like really re- reviving the, who they were in their spirit. But then the Shepardi Jews actually name children after relatives who are still alive intentionally, and they say this is from the Talmud, but there's restrictions, is that they, they won't name someone um, unless they're 60, because then they've proven that they're not going to be a bad name. And so, so there's like limitations on all these rules. And, and you hear about it all the time. You hear grandmothers say, oh, you can't do that or you can do this. Or there's rules about whether he could, should be a junior or a second. I should be dead for him to be a second, technically. Um, so he should be a junior, but my wife didn't want that. So he's a second. Yes, No, nothing to do with cousins, no. Although cousins get names too. This is true. Um, so anyways, I just thought it was an interesting dig into that, and I think it really exposes a lot, even though this is contemporary, it exposes a lot to why they were having such a hard time with this idea that John was to be named John. Um, but I want to dig into it a little bit more, and I'm going to have Nain come up and read couple verses earlier in the chapter that I want you guys to follow along with is in verse 13 through 15. Thank you. 
So what I wanted to draw out of that specifically to start is in 13, and I'm bouncing back because it's important to know some of the, the context of why this name was so important. Well, Gabriel gave him that name. And so Gabriel told him that he's going to be John. So it wasn't really a question, and appropriately, Elizabeth and Zachariah followed through what the angel who shut up Zachariah's mouth and stopped him from speaking said his name is going to be John. So, well, it's going to be it's going to be John. And a little bit about the meaning of John in context of what we've learned about is it it's a Hebrew name, obviously, and it comes from the, the name Yohanan, and the meaning is Yahweh is gracious. So Yahweh, as you recall, is not spoken in, in uh, Hebrew. It's something that is written only, and it's so precious. The, this is the, the kind of Abba Father name for God. And so if you think about it, and, and you tie in then the fact of like, Elizabeth actually says, and I like the NLT a little better because it makes my point, but in Luke 1.25, she actually is quoted to say how kind is the Lord. And it's, you know, this really is an emphasis on the name gracious, how gracious God is, and how blessed that they are feeling as parents to have this son when she was of senior age, not expected to have a child, in her culture was kind of looked down upon as you had done something wrong, God had cursed you. And yet, God says in this text that they were righteous people. They were filled with the Spirit, is actually referenced multiple times. And so even the name of John is recognizing that he, God is gracious and he's giving the son to them. That's one way he's gracious. There's others. We'll get to them. Um, but also the fact that I think it's kind of cool that Zechariah was silent and couldn't write, could only write, just like Yahweh. So Yahweh you can't actually say, and John couldn't say it either, in a sense, and he had to write it out. And so, I don't know if he wrote, Yahweh is gracious, and they all knew that meant John. I doubt that. I think it was truly John was a name that was given by Gabriel. But still, I think there's some cool tie together there. And then the other thing is that Jesus is king. And this is kind of foreshadowing, but the reality is that John is the one who prepares the way. And that you see in verse 17 and verse 76, where it talks a lot about how John is anticipating Jesus coming. He is preparing the way for Jesus. And how gracious God is with Jesus, which we're not going to unpack that completely, but that's coming in the chapters to come. But the reality is that even the meaning of the messenger, the, the start of everything, the one who's preparing the way, is he's already, his message is his name. Yahweh is gracious. Here's Jesus. And I think that's, that's a really cool, cool concept to the meaning of his name. So when you look into the meaning of his name and understand kind of the, the historical and contextualization of it, the idea that, you know, there's meaning to all these things, it really unpacks it. Um, and then I wanted to just quickly go through, again, one, the, the verse 78 I really love. And so I'm going to read 60, uh, 76 through 78 just to kind of highlight it. Um, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because the tender mercy of our God, thereby the sunrise shall uh, visit uh, us from on high 
to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide their feet to the way of peace and the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. So I read a little longer. But, you know, in 78 it says, tender mercy of our God. And I just, I think that's a, that's a cool, even in the prophetic speakings of his father, John's father, he's acknowledging that this is a gift. So, I want to go back to Luke 13, though, where we, where Nain just read, awesome for us. Great job. Um, and I want to pa- unpack a little bit Gabriel's definition of John's mercy uh, and of his ministry that he has for us. So, I think that this is important in kind of coming up with purpose for his name. So, you know, the, the theme here is to think about names and think about, start thinking about how do names actually impact us, but also what is the, the purpose, what are we supposed to do with it? And so here is Gabriel's understanding of what he's supposed to do with it. Um, so I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I'm going to go through that, that text. Um, is that... I want, I want to point out something that was kind of brought to my attention many, many years ago, but it relates to verse 15. So when I met my wife in Las Vegas, she was a Southern Belle, and I was a medical student, not from the South. Um, and, and so I was talking with her about Christian themes and things. She kept scaring me with this term, where she said, they're just really filled with the Spirit. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, in my context, that was not something you said. And it was not something, I was like, are, like, are you Pentecostal? Like, I'm trying to figure out still what this girl is. And I'm like, what does this really mean to you? You know, because I, I had done a little Bible school, and I, I felt I knew something about something. And, and I was trying to figure out what this meant. And it turns out that my wife's definition was that they were Christians, but they weren't just Christians. They were actually Christians that were filled with the Spirit. So it was like another level of Christian. Um, but I think now living in the South, that may make more sense. But the reality is that I challenged her on it, and she was like, oh, yeah, I never thought of it. Like, all Christians should be filled with the Spirit. So that's not really like a, an extra level. And so, and I, I wish she was here to defend herself. But the, rea- the reality is that, you know, this was a point... That I, I keep hearing, though, in, in Southern context around church and being filled with the Spirit or not. Um, but here, it's mentioned a lot. And so I think it, it's an interesting phrase, and it's an interesting context that I want to talk about a little bit. So Gabriel actually says to Zechariah, and he will be filled with the Spirit even from his mother's room, womb. So a couple weeks ago, Tripp said that Jesus was going to be the first to have the Spirit. It's actually his cousin, who was a little bit younger, or a little older, um, actually had the spirit in him first. So the reality is that there's a lot of interestingness in that. Because here in our culture, we think about, no, you will sit down, you'll just put it in your lunchbox. Um, you know, we really think about this as something that you have to choose, you know, you have to have at a later point in life. But for these characters specifically, this was something that was a very early thing. They were filled with the Spirit, very intentional um, on God's part. And also that the parents were filled with the Spirit. In, in Luke 1, 6, you see that it talks about how righteous they are. And then in, later in verse 67, it talks about Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And that's why I tied that passage in, because I think it's relevant to know that his parents were godly people. And I think that's a challenge to all of you that are parents, is that you being filled with the Spirit makes a big impact on your children. Um, and I'm not going to pull too much out of the text, because I don't think it's there, but I just think as a, as a good wisdom statement, is that having parents that are filled with the Spirit is something that's such a blessing. You, you don't really understand it, even when you don't have it, because you only have your own lenses. You know? But it, it's such a thing that we all should pursue. And, um, and then ultimately, John was filled with the Spirit, and... I think that this proclamation from Gabriel really, you know, you can see how true it is actually next week when Tripp goes through the prophecy. But the, the way that it's unpacked and actually told of him is, is impressive. Like this, this guy was no joke. He was, he was a strong personality, probably, yes. But he had clear intention, even from the womb. Like his purpose was profound. And the fact that he had a name that meant Yahweh is gracious, which was named before he was in the womb, from God himself, through his messenger Gabriel, I think is very, very powerful. Um, and I think that when he starts talking about his baby being named in verse 20, he says, And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And so the fact of the matter is that, you know, when his mouth is no longer bound and he's able to talk, it even says right in the, in the passage, I think it was 66. Uh, no, right before that, 64. Uh, immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loose and he spoke blessing God. You know, it's just the spirit was having its way with these people. You know? it, it wasn't anything that they could do about it, in a sense, because the spirit was filling them. It was something that they were reacting to because of the power of God in them. And you know, immediately starts blessing. You know, I, we often think about, like, what are we, my last words, when I get hit by a car? You know, I, <laughs> I don't know if it, really, if it really makes sense, but this is almost the other end of that is that if you couldn't speak and all of a sudden could, what would be the first things that you say? Would, would we complain that we couldn't have spoken before, or would we really just bless God for his graciousness? And so that kind of stuck out to me as I was looking through it. Um, and then everything of John's ministry, which we're not going to go through, um, but I, I kind of thought it was cool that if you talk, look at it in context of it happening on the eighth day, so everything of John's ministry happens as he is named on the eighth day uh, of his circumcision. Now, he was filled with the Spirit already. But when you think about the fact that Gabriel, in verse 20, says that because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, well, you could logically correlate, I'm going to use some, some simple Pascal logic, um, in that if then, so if his mouth was bound... And it will be fulfilled when it's released. Well, then you could say that John, when he was named at his bris, which is the, the circumcision, and his dad's tongue was released. Well, if his tongue was released, everything had been fulfilled. And so the, the reality is that his whole ministry was fulfilled as he got his name. 
And I think that that's a really powerful thing and something that we all have to chew on in a sense that when I got my name as Nathan, and, and also, that is it's true, and, and our second name is, is Yahweh is Gracious, and that's because I had a 50-50 chance of living. I was seven weeks premature, and my parents were like, you are a gift, and you are God is gracious to us. And so Nathan John was what they called me. Um, but the reality is that was my whole purpose fulfilled at me getting that name? You know, are we that in tune with what the Spirit wants of us and what God is calling us to that we can be named and our whole purpose is fulfilled? Is it a matter of dominoes, maybe? Is it a matter of a series of events that will lead through our life, but fulfillment will happen? Or is it a matter of that when God gives you a name, like Abraham gave, got his new name of Abram, his whole purpose was fulfilled at that point. His whole legacy, in God's lack of needing chronological time, purpose was complete. And I think with John, too, it's a very cool thing to think that at his circumcision, when he got his name, because those things happen at the same time, you get circumcised, you get your name. Well, they knew his name, it was John. And Gabriel said, when he gets his name, you will, stop, you will be able to speak. So, and also when, you, when that happens, you will be fulfilled, is that he had set the way already. And if you look at the cool effect that he had in verse 67, 66, is that I do believe there was a domino effect. Everyone in the hills of Judea was talking about it. So he set this whole territory on a mission to figure out what had happened. A curiosity was sparked. Uh, it was like a, a, a flint spark in a dry field. It was like, whoosh, everything was on fire now, ready for Jesus to come and reseed the entire field. And I think that it's a very cool, cool idea of he set up the whole, the whole situation. So there's three things I want, to, I want us to think about. Is that, you know, John really set the motion of curiosity. Set that in motion. I think as we unpack the answer to that curiosity that the people had through the next chapters, I think that it's very exciting to see. And you're like, oh, the people are being curious about this and digging into it. So there was this spark that had started. And then the prophet of the Most High is what John is often called. And so, especially in this passage, and so the reality is that he was a prophet. He was great before the Lord. This guy was legit. And so when we hear him talked about in the next couple sermons, I think that it'll be interesting to think about it that way. And then the knowledge of salvation. So John is often referred to as evangelist. And I didn't get a chance to go through all of it, but there is some really fun unpacking of, even further, of, of Gabriel's mission to him and how it ties into Micah 4 and how he will have purpose to get the, the fathers to turn to their children. And, and basically, it, there's a couple ways to take it. I take it kind of like Calvin does, but I like his interpretation that it's more of a, a, a general like healing um, of things that's going to go on. And I think that that's a really, really awesome place that that, that is credited to John's ministry. Um, and I think that that's that spark, that initial wave that goes forth. Um, but as far as application, I think that it's valuable for us to think about what is God's ministry of reconciliation. You know, we talked about that before. What is, what is the purpose of having John come? But also, what is the purpose of the stories leading to Christ? And even how does that impact us? How are we reconciled through this process, even through what John initiated? 
we don't think about John's purpose in our own testimony. But the reality is that Jesus did what he did, and the way was prepared by John. So God obviously did it, but it, it was an a impactful part that John played. Um, and then we need to pursue strength in the Spirit. Yeah. Being filled with the Spirit comes up multiple times in this one book, and I think that there is actually some power to it. So now I'm going more to my wife's definition of there is some power in being filled with the Spirit. And there's, there is something, you know, I don't expect us to all go around talking to each other and saying, you are filled with the Spirit. But I think that personally, in your own prayer life, in your own digging into Scripture, in your own relationship with God, being filled with the Spirit is key. Because we want to be reactive to what the Spirit does in us. Not just what we want to do, what we feel we have to do at work. We want to be able to do what the Spirit wants. And the only way you can do that is if you have the Spirit living within you. And that, and that is an important reaction that has to happen. And I think that you can accept Christ and the power of that Spirit that still lives in you, you suppress. And so it's a matter of rededicating your life, rededicating, you know, when I rededicated my life, I'd been a Christian since I was three, but at 13, I went to this Stomping Out the Darkness crusade by Neil T. Anderson um, in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And um, I was with a youth group, and he had an altar call, and it was a great, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm praying for all these people that are going out there. It's great. It's so awesome for them. But I was like, yeah, not me. I'm a Christian. And then he had a second call that so wasn't expected. He said, are there any of you that God is not the master of your life, but was? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's me. And I rededicated my life at that moment because I realized that even though I was a Christian, I wasn't filled with the Spirit. I wasn't acting like the Spirit wanted me to act, and I knew that. And so I think that there is something about pursuing that, pursuing that level of intimacy with the Spirit, um, where we can prophesy. We only prophesy in the strength of your faith and the reality is if you don't have the spirit, you're not going to have faith. So it's an important factor. And then this, this was something that I talked with Stephanie about. And I, I think really that over this last week, because I've been preparing now a couple weeks ago, so over this last week, this actually meant a lot to us as we had Blaze too, was allow the spirit to name you. And I think... The Spirit named John, you know, God named John, and gave him purpose in that name. Now, it doesn't have to be your own personal name. It can be a different name that God has given you, but the reality is that you have a personal name with God. You have a purpose and a calling, and allow the Spirit's name that he gave you to be fulfilled. Live it out. If you know there's something you're supposed to be doing, like react to that, and allow the Spirit to give you a name. Um, and I, you know, I, I kind of thought about that for myself, but also for my kids. We prayed a lot about our, our family and what is our family's purpose, and, and how does that relate to you? And so it was just a way of kind of making the text jump out at me and say the name was his fulfillment of his purpose. You know, we also need to be fulfilling our purpose, and we need the Spirit to name us. That's, that's what we need. And so pray for that this week. Pray for the Spirit's name to be in your life. And that is it. Any questions? Any thoughts? Anything resonate or anything didn't make any sense? I was 
trying to look for the verse. I know it's in the first Thessalonians. Uh, the Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit and uh, speak to each other in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and greet each other with, with a holy kiss and, yep. and all this kind of this like list of things that kind of describe what being filled with the Spirit is. Well, Paul uses the same list and, and refers it to being filled with God's Word. And every time somebody talks about being filled with the Spirit, um, I, I do think our Southern culture may, may have it right. There's something to being indwelt by the Spirit, right? Like being a Christian, we are all indwelt. But there is something more being filled with the Spirit. And uh, I think actually the way that we be filled with the Spirit is if we're filled with the words that the Spirit has given us. Yep. Um, uh, well, and also the Spirit does the like is kind of the continual um, representation of Christ too. Mm-hmm. And Christ is the Word, and, and yes. the Word dwelt yes. among us. You know, so the the tie together of the Spirit being woven in through the gospel story is is extremely important. Cool. Well, let me pray real quick, and then we'll be done. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for loving us, for giving us a name, giving us purpose, um, allowing your Spirit to connect with us and fill with our ourselves, even though we are just a vessel and we are flesh. And I just pray that you give us power, you give us strength to do what you have called us to do. Uh, May we be considered great prophets of your name, uh, like John was. And I just thank you for the opportunity to to share this passage and and your graciousness. And I just pray that you continue to to minister to us through the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Nathan. I, I appreciate that. There, there is something to, to a name, and we have individual purposes. Um, we also have a collective purpose because we've all been given Jesus' name. If, if we have put our faith in him, then he says, God says, you have been adopted. I, I, when I look at you, I see, my, I see the righteousness of my son, Jesus. You are mine. I love you, even though you, you deserve uh, the opposite of love for me. From me, I love you so much that I offer you my son so that you may be my own. And uh, we have the privilege of the Father looking at, at us and, and loving us as he loves his son Jesus. So in, in that collective sort of way, we have the name of, of Christ. And we share the name of Christ. It makes us unified. Yet we're so diverse. And we have our individual names. Um, thank you for that, Nathan.